These are the confidential counsels which Yahuwah gave to Yeshua HaMashiach. Alright, so with that, I will go ahead and cut us off from the Hebrew Gospel of Yochanan. Thank you everybody for hanging in there with us, and I agree with Michael, this was one of my favorite sessions we've had so far in John. This was a really great discussion, uh, just a lot of, you know, comments and questions, and it was all good. So with that, I'm going to go ahead and open up with the, the Hebrew Revelation or the uh, Confidential Councils of Yahuwah. So once again, Shabbat Shalom from Under the Dome, everybody, and let's begin. This is chapter 8. And when he opened the seventh seal, everyone in the heavens was silent for a moment. And I saw seven messengers coming before Yahuwah, and seven uh, uh, shofars, but shofarat, were given to them. And another messenger came and stepped next to the temple, and golden firepans were in his hand, and much incense was given to him, to give it as the prayer of the set-apart ones before the temple and before the throne. And the smoke of the incense of the set-apart ones went up from the hand of the messenger before Yahuwah. Then the messenger took the firepan and filled it with fire and poured it out on the earth, and there came voices and thunders and lightnings. And the seven messengers with the seven uh, shofars were ready to blow. Then the first messenger blew, and there was hail and fire mixed with blood, and it fell on the earth, and the third of the trees were burnt up, and all the green plants of the field were burnt up. Then the second blew, and there was something like a great mountain burning with fire, and it went into the sea, and a third of the sea was blood, and a third of the creatures of the sea died and a third of the ships sank. Then the third blew, and a star fell from the heavens, and it was burning, and it fell on a third of the wells of water. And the name of the star was Tola'at, which in the Greek would be wormwood. And a third of the waters was bitter, and many of the sons of men died by the hand of the waters because of their bitterness. Then the fourth blew, and there was stricken a third of the sun, and the moon and the stars, and a third of the day did not shine, and also the night. Then I saw and heard a messenger flying in the heavens, and he cried out with a great voice, Woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth, because of the sound of the shofars, which the three messengers who still have to blow. And thus concludes the reading of chapter 8. My apologies because it is dark in this room and I was reading from paper and my eyes are failing me tonight. So I was really struggling through that, but I'm handing it over to Rob. Hey, I, unlike every week I, I work on these, I put in some nice uh, little slides out there. This week was a, a week I could not do so. Uh, due to personal things taken care of and, and my time limit. But uh, so I'm just going to comment. The one thing I wanted to point out here is on the verse three, where we see the, the fire pans in his hand and the incense. The incense, as another reference, once again, uh, are the prayers of the set apart ones uh, before the throne. 
And I think people, most people don't really, don't necessarily think about this, but the prayers that we are doing and constantly doing, and when I say prayer, I don't mean necessarily uh, asking Yah for help, because that's kind of what the, the default thought is on prayer. But, uh, you know, we're talking prayer, we're talking about communing with the Most High. And so talking with him, praising him, uh, uh, glorifying him, uh, just having a, a intimate conversations with him, and being in that constant prayer, that is a sweet incense to his nostrils. It's, it is uh, uh, something enjoyable. And then he finds favor. And I think everyone would agree that if we are constantly... Uh, let's use a, a parent as an example. If our mother or father, if we are constantly uh, talking with them and being edifying, you know, encouraging our parents, uh, helping them around the house or in, in the property, or or if you have elderly parents, you're doing things for them that they can't do, and all of those things is 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 actions. And they are a a a favor, a um, a sweet favor for the parents. And same with the father, as we are communing with him, and we're glorifying him, and we're doing things in his name. These are the things that are are a great sweet incense to him, and and, and pleasing. And that's how uh, that's one of the the things where we see he finds favor in us. So. Uh, I'll start with that, and, and and I didn't have a whole lot because I didn't get to work a lot on on the details of this. I'm gonna circle around, and then as we get get back to me, I'll add more. Uh, I'll hand it over to Michael from there. Michael. Alrighty, Shabbat Shalom. Um, I have a lot on Revelation, so I guess I can split it up as well, uh, multiple times. Um, I'm gonna start off with the uh, so I'll I'll take uh, your torch and I'll upload a picture. So how about that? Um, this chapter, when I when I found this image, this chapter really started to make sense. And you can't see it, guys, can you? That's very small. Oh man. Um, let me see if I can open it up. But basically, what it's saying is Revelation eight one through seven is the Day of Atonement, and it's it's Leviticus sixteen twelve through sixteen. So. Um, Noel, Noel read it, so I'm not going to read the Revelation part, but I'm going to try to highlight some parts of Day of Atonement. So, Aaron is to take a censer and full of burning coals from the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground fragrant incense and take them behind the curtain. He, he is to put the incense in a fire before the Lord and, sm and the smoke of the incense Man, I, this is very small. To conceal the atonement, um, it's talking about bull's blood, which is which is also in this part. It's it's dipping his finger seven times, um, and it's sprinkling it on for the atonement cover. I'm sorry, I didn't I didn't double check that, but it's very small. But I guess to start, um, if you want a nice little Bible study, Revelation eight one through seven to Leviticus sixteen twelve through sixteen. And I'm sorry on that. Oh man, I ruined it. See, I, I I can't just take take your your position there, Rob, with these pictures. I gotta do a better job there. Um, so number one, so I'm gonna read the Hebrew, and 
when he opened the seventh, everyone in the heavens was silent for a moment. And again, you know, during these studies, Noel and I specifically have talked about the heavenly courts. And so I want to point out that the silence in heaven for the space of a half an hour is a sign of deep respect and awe in the presence of the judge of all the earth. Just as earthly courtrooms demand silence when the judge is presiding, so does the heavenly courtroom. And two, two passages, Zephaniah 1.7. Be silent before the sovereign Lord, for the day of the Lord is near. And Habakkuk 2.20. The Lord is in his holy tam- temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. I think it's a great parallel. When you enter, when the judge enters the courtroom, there's that moment of silence. Um, I found a, another great parallel in 2 Ezra 7, 29 through 35. After these years, my son, the anointed one, and all who have human breath will die. The world will be turned back to primeval silence for seven days. And in the earliest beginning, so that no one is left alive. After seven days, the world that isn't yet awake will be roused, and the corrupt world will die. The earth will give back those who sleep, and the dust will give back in silence those who dwell in it. And the resting places will give back the souls that have been entrusted to them. The Most High will be revealed on the throne of judgment, and mercy will pass away. Patience will be withdrawn, and only judgment will remain. Truth will arise, faith will recover strength, and the works will have their consequences. Reward will come about, righteous deeds will awaken, and unrighteous deeds won't sleep. Um, Just again, judgment and the silence. I have a lot. I will do one more, and then I'll pass it over to Noel, since Rob doesn't have much today. Um, I'm going to read three and four. So... Let's see, do I want to read both? I do. So, and the angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. So this is what I was talking about with the Day of Atonement. Um, And there was given unto him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hands. And in the Hebrew, and another messenger came and stepped next to the temple, and the golden fire pans were in his hand, and much incense was given to them to give it as the prayer of the set-apart ones before the temple and before the throne. And the smoke of the incense of the set-apart ones went up from the hand of the messenger before Yahweh. Um, Psalms 141.2 May my prayer be accounted as incense before you, the raising of my hands as the evening offering. And then we're going back to Revelation 5. 8 When he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the four elders fell down before the Lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Um, and, you know, just, as far as the differences, the, the temple and the fire pans. Fire pans were in his hands next to the temple. Um, so altar in the Greek, temple, and then fire pans were in his hands. Um, I have a lot more. I will pass it off to Noel, though, so we can get more discussion. Yeah, I think uh, both you and me have quite a few notes, and it's it's always like, well, what do I cover first here? And you covered some great stuff. So this is going to be old news for some of you, but you never really know. And I think this is fun to point out when we're talking about the Great Burning Mountain. Now, people will look at this and they go, oh, it's a comet, it's a meteor, it's an asteroid, you know, fill in the blank. You know, NASA is going to announce when it's going to happen. And I'm not saying that it's not a meteor or comets, but what I am saying, and clearly you see that it comes into the sea and a lot of boats sink, so perhaps, but what I do want to make a connection with is 
cross-referencing what a burning mountain is in Scripture, how they would have read this. And, of course, it is a divine being. We know that the stars are divine beings. We know that the moon and the sun uh, work with divine beings, and you know, divine beings surround us in this realm, spiritual beings. So I'm going to see if this works with Scripture Bot. And you know, throughout the week, it always makes me nervous when I have this piece of paper in front of me, which is Scripture references that I had scribbled down earlier in the week, and I don't really know what it's about to say. But let's see what it says. Oh, it worked. The first book of Enoch, chapter 18, verses 12 through 16. So let's read this. I likewise beheld terrestrial fountains deep in the fiery columns of heaven. Oh boy, where is this going? And in the columns of heaven, I beheld tires. I don't remember that in my translation, but um, I don't know if these are like uh, race car tires, but which descended without number, but neither on high nor into the deep. Or these fountains also I perceived a place which had neither the expanse of heaven above it, nor the solid ground underneath it. And I'll explain what I think this is ha what's happening here in a second. Neither was there water above it, hmm. nor anything on wing, but the spot was desolate. All right, so what, he, what, what Enoch is describing here is he is going to this place beyond the earth where there is no heaven above, no water above, no earth below. It's like a wasteland. It's, it's, the, it's chaos in the void. I think he has gone beyond the firmament at this point, and he is, he is beyond the real estate of 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 Yahuwah. If you can imagine that the earth itself, the circle of the earth the, within a square or whatever it looks like with a firmament above it, that is like the signet ring, the signature of Yahuwah. That's his real estate. It's his signature and his mark. And it's basically like um, those who don't make the cut, who are cast out of his inheritance are like, okay, you can go out to this chaos and this void. I think that's, that's what he's looking at. That's how I read this. Correct me if I'm wrong. Continuing. And there I beheld seven stars, hmm, seven stars, like great blazing mountains. So there it is. He sees seven stars that are great blazing mountains. There's a cross-reference. And like Ruachoth entreating me. Then the angel said, this place until the consummation of heaven and earth will be the prison of the stars and the host of heaven. Well, that's interesting. The stars which roll over a uh, lyre are those which transgress the commandment of Elohim before their time arrived, for they came not in their proper season. Therefore was he offended with them and bound them until the period of the consummation of their crimes in the secret year. Interesting. All right. So we see that these seven stars are great blazing mountains, and they're kind of rolling around in the fire, and uh, they wandered. They are. I guess you could, like planets here because they are wandering stars. They did not come. In this case, they didn't come out when they were supposed to. They did not keep to their path. All right. Let's read another one. This also comes from Enoch. Enoch 21, 1 through 3. Come on, Bible bot, don't let me down. Yes. And it says, Then I made a circuit to a place in which nothing was completed. Well, that's interesting. Though it's like creation was not completed here. It's kind of another chaos and a void in a way. And there I beheld neither the tremendous workmanship of an exalted heaven, nor of an established earth. So he is beyond the firmament, but he is, he is, there's no heaven above him. There's no earth below. He's again in the chaos and the void. It's a desolate spot, he says, prepared and terrific. There too I beheld seven stars of heaven bound in it together, like great mountains. There There's again, the great mountains and like a blazing fire. I exclaimed, for what species of crime have they been bound? And why have they been removed to this place? Then Uriel, one of the holy angels who was with me and who conducted me, answered, Enoch, or Hanok, 
Wherefore do you ask? Wherefore do you reason with yourself and anxiously inquire? These are those of the stars which have transgressed the command, meant of El Elyon, and are here bound until the infinite number of days of their crimes be completed. So these angels, you know, these stars transgress their commands, and there they are. So with that, there's... I want to actually expand on this point more, but I don't want to just keep talking. I'm going to return to this. I'm going to take, when I come back, unless if uh, Michael or Rob would like to steal my thunder, you're most welcome to tonight. I will come back to this, and I'm going to add to this idea of what Wormwood uh, is doing. So, Rob, it's your turn. All right. Uh, I, I wanted to add regarding uh, Desmond put dropped something here. I do want to read, because it goes back to that courtroom silence Michael was talking about that the the in the Greek we read it it's uh in the course of a thirty minutes or a half an hour and then in Hebrew it says a moment and that reference as Michael was was stating it I, I say it's uh you know that and Noel said is the courtroom silence when the judge comes in and so forth. And I'll I'll read here Zephaniah one two uh one seven sorry through and then Habakkuk 2.19 and Isaiah 41.1 Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and a consecrated his guests. And then it's a woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake to a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. He's talking about idols. But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before him. That holy reverence. Then Isaiah, listen to me in silence, O coastlands. Let the peoples renew their strength. Let their let them approach. Uh, then let them speak. Let us together draw near for judgment. I can't recall if my, I think Michael might have read uh, some of those too. But uh, something else I wanted to, reference here is on the the trumpets being sounded the shofars one two three and four we see we got hail and fire mixed with blood on the earth and as a result of this coming down and all, all so far all three all four of these are from the heavenlies coming down upon the earth the, these things that we're seeing Hail and fire mixed with blood on earth, and the result is a third of the trees burnt and all the fields, all the fields burnt, at least in this uh, description. Now, would that, I've heard different views on that, and I'm not here to, to um, say what it, what, what it is, but I think uh, some things to consider is when we use these terms of, of a third, and you'll see this a third, 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 is, is it, do we think it is a third uh, part of each land in each area, or could this possibly be a third of the continents, or or should I say a third of the world, uh, or the earth? Like, let's say a third, third of the earth is South America. Let's just use that. As, I, I don't know what, what would a third equate to, but let's just say South America. So would all of this be happening in one continent? Don't know. Uh, or each time it talks about a third, will a third of different parts of the known realm be be affected? Or is it, generally speaking, the entire realm, a third uh, of it being affected? So those are some things to consider as possibilities. 
Then we have a mountain burning fire that went into the sea, causing a third of the sea uh, creatures to, to die and, and the ships to sink, and a third of the sea turned to blood or was as blood, as Noel's mentioning. And then uh, the, the third shofar, Tola'at, or wormwood, fell from the heaven burning, another thing falling from heaven. A third of the wells and the water became bitter, and many men, many men died because the waters. Uh, and then the fourth one we see. Now, this one is interesting also, is that the sun, moon, and stars are stricken, so they did not shine during the day or the night a third. And we could speculate that third could be either uh, the brightness is dimmed one-third, so it's only shining two-thirds, so the sunlight's only two-thirds its strength, and, and the moon and, and the stars two-thirds its strength. Or could it be one-third of the day, so the sun is out only one-third of the day instead of half of the day? But then it speaks about the night, so it says the night is one-third of the night. Could, and I'm just speculating, could that mean the days are being sped up at this point, so the sun rises and then and and falls uh, a third of it, only two thirds of the time. So uh, that being eight hours of daylight and then eight hours of night, eight hours of daylight, you know, eight hours of night, etc. So I just think about these things when I look at numbers, and there's not a not a crystal clear uh, description, and I start speculating. So I just want to throw that out there, something to think about and ponder about as a possibility. So if we actually were to experience this, you know, we would be like, hey, I remember Rob talking about that. But it's just a, a thought to think about. Uh, with that, I am done, and I'll pass it over to Michael. All righty. Um... I will pick up on, let's see, number five. So I'm going to read both, and then I have some cross-references. Shocker. Um, and the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of the altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices and thunderings and lightnings and an earthquake. I'm going to, hi I'm going to highlight voices, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. And then in the Hebrew, then the messenger took the fire pan and filled it with fire and poured it out on the earth. And there came voices and thunders and lightnings. Um, you know, a lot of people, I know Skiba definitely highlighted this, That you know, and I'm going to talk more about it after this, but the Revelation and Exodus are somewhat similar, you know, a lot of similar seals and all that. Um, Exodus 19, 16 through 19. So it came about on the third day when it was morning that there were thunder and lightning flashes and a thick cloud over the mountain and a very loud trumpet sound so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. Um, Leviticus 16, 11 through 12. Then Aaron shall offer the bull of the sin offering, which is of for himself, and make an atonement for himself and for his household. And he shall slaughter the bull of the sin offering, which is for himself. He should take a fire pan full of coals of fire from upon the altar before the Lord and two handfuls of finely ground sweet incense. I'm like, you know, you guys didn't see the picture because it was so small, but this whole thing in Revelation 8 is these are priestly offerings and duties that he's doing on day of atonement it's pretty remarkable um revelation eleven nineteen, and the temple of god which is in heaven was opened and the ark of his covenant appeared in his temple and there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder and an earthquake and a great hailstorm just trying to tie everything together um number seven i'm going to just read the hebrew and then kind of summarize then the first messenger blew and there was hail and fire mixed with blood and it fell on the earth and a third of the trees were burnt up and the green plants of the field were burnt up so 
Like I, like I was saying earlier, there are a remarkable number of parallels between this series of judgments and the ten plagues in Exodus. For example, trumpets are associated with the theophany at Sinai, Exodus 19, 13 through 19, and 20 through 18. The first trumpet judgment is similar to Exodus 9, 13 through 25. Hail and fire fell upon the Egyptians. The third trumpet resembles the plague of the fresh water in Exodus 7, 20, except that there's there the waters turn to blood. And then the locust in Revelation 9, 3 is an apocalyptic version of the eighth plague, Exodus 10, 12 through 20. <clears throat> and then I found a, an awesome extra biblical book that talks more about it. And that's Apocalypse of Abraham, number 32 through 8. And he said to me, I will explain to you the things you desired in your heart. For you have sought to know the ten plagues which I prepared against the heathen. And I prepare them beforehand in the passing of the twelve hours on earth. Hear what I tell you. <clears throat> it will be thus. The first, sorrow from much need. The second, fiery. Conflagrations for the city. The third, destruction by pestilence among the cattle. The fourth, famine of the world, of their generation. The fifth, among the rulers. Destruction by the earthquake and the sword. The sixth, increase of hail and snow. The seventh, wild beast, will be their grave. The eighth, pestilence and hunger will change their destruction. The ninth, execution by sword and flight and distress. <coughs> and the tenth, thunder voices and destroying earthquakes. I thought that was a great parallel, um, talking about these plagues in Exodus and Revelation. I have a lot on Wormwood, and I'm going to stop. I'm going to let Noel speak before that, but real quick on number eight, I'm going to read both. Um, and the second angel sounded, and as it were a great mountain burning with fire, was cast into the sea, and the third part of the sea became blood. And in the Hebrew, then the second blew, and there was something like a great mountain burning with fire, and it went into the sea, and a third of the sea was blood. Again, I just want to real quick highlight, it says something like a great mountain. Is this metaphorical, or is this physical? Um, Hebrew, why would it say something like a great mountain? Um, off to Noah. I have plenty on Wormwood, but I will stop there. Well, I may be stealing your thunder right now. I'm not quite sure. We'll find out. Yeah. But, but while you did speak on the Exodus and the plagues, I'm going to drop, I just dropped this in here. This is a, a, a chart. I did not come up with this chart. Somebody else did. I should have put their, their name at the bottom. It's really good. But just for your consideration, we'll probably be talking about this in the future weeks, probably the next couple as we go through the different trumpets. And you can see here the plagues of Egypt echoes in the book of Revelation. And so it's a great little chart. It shows you where the water turned to blood, the frogs, the, the gnats, the flies, pestilence, boils, hail, lightning, locust, darkness, death of the firstborn, and how all throughout Revelation we're going to see the same sort of things happening. Now what's important to note here is that Yahuwah is, or you can even say Yahusha is the judge. Who are they judging? They are judging the Elohim of the earth. They're judging people, but also the Elohim of the earth. One of the things that has been commented on here is Poseidon. He's been, he is being judged in this chapter. What do we see? We see Wormwood coming down, or it says the star was uh, Tola at, and it says a third of the waters was bitter. Now, I want you guys to think about this word bitter. And when we talk about revelation uh, throughout evangelical Christianity and such and eschatology, we grew up with this idea of the torment and the terror of revelation. And thank Yah that we are being rescued and raptured out of here, right? Well, unfortunately, the church doesn't really understand what it is to be set apart. They don't really teach this. They don't know Torah. They don't know that those who are set apart are not affected by these. 
uh, I, I commented a couple weeks ago when we talked about the Four Horsemen of the Apocalypse that it specifically says, it would be, I think, chapter 6, it specifically says that Ha-Gehenna follows behind the, the death. Well, who's going to Gehenna? Not the righteous. So if, if Gehenna is following in his wake, then who is he affecting? Again, not the righteous. Well, we can say the same thing about the bitter water. All right? So the bitter water, anyone who's reading this in Hebrew, uh, the Hebrew culture and understands Torah is going to go straight back to Numbers chapter 5, verses 11 through 31. So let me go ahead and put that in scripture bot here. Numbers 5, 11 through 31. I don't know if I need to read the whole thing. It is kind of lengthy. Oh, it's not going to let me. Boo. Boo. Um, let's just see if I can get... Oh, I got I got verse 11, and Yahuwah spoke to Moshe saying... We don't get anything else. <laughs> Boo! <laughs> okay, let me just try this one more time, and maybe if someone else can be more successful than me... Nah! Okay, well, let me just give you the download the download on this. Anyone could turn to... Oh, thank you. Somebody did it for me. Thank you, Dave, my producer. All right. And Yahuwah spoke to Moshe, saying, Speak to the children of Yasharel and say to them, When any man's wife turn aside and has committed a trespass against him. All right? So the context is, a wife has been caught in adultery or suspicion of adultery and a man has intercourse with her so a man other than her wife and it is hidden from the eyes of her husband oops and it is concealed that she has defiled herself and there was no witness against her nor was she caught and a spirit or a ruach of jealousy comes upon him and he becomes jealous of his wife now remember who is the jealous elohim but yahuwah He's a jealous Elohim, and uh, the children of Yashua are always committing adultery against him with other Elohim. Okay? That's the context here. Or a spirit of jealousy comes upon him, and he becomes jealous of his wife, although she has not defiled herself. So it's saying here that it's possible that she is pure and that she hasn't defiled himself, herself, but he thinks that she has. Well, how do you prove it? All right? Here we go. Then the man shall bring his wife to the priest at the temple or the tabernacle in the wilderness. And he shall bring the offering for her one-tenth of an ephah of barley flour. He is not to pour oil on it or put frankincense on it, because it is a grain offering of jealousy, an offering for remembrance, remembering for bringing crookedness to remembrance. And the priest shall bring her near and shall make her stand before Yahuwah. And the priest shall ta uh, take set-apart water in an earthen vessel, and take some of the dust that is on the floor of the dwelling place and put it into the water. And the priest shall make the woman stand before Yahuwah and shall uncover the woman's head. So she's come in, she's completely covered. He uncovers her head, and he puts the offering for remembering in her hands, which is the grain offering of jealousy. Okay, so think of the offering of jealousy, which the priest holds in his hand, the bitter water that brings a curse. And the priest shall make her swear and say to the woman, if no man has lain with you, and if you have not turned aside to uncleanness under your husband's authority, be free from this bitter water that brings a curse. But if you have turned aside under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself and some man other than your husband has lain with you, oh, I guess that's all I put. Oh, it only goes to 20. That's okay. Oh, here he put uh, 20 through 31 in here. But if you have turned aside under your husband's authority, and if you have defiled yourself and some man other than your husband has lain with you, then the priest shall make the woman swear with the oath of the curse, and he shall say to the woman, 
make you a curse and oath among your people uh, when makes your thighs waste away and your belly swell. Okay, I think that's all I need to read on this. All right, so the context is, if she is guilty, her thighs will waste away and her belly will swell. And if she is not guilty, then nothing will happen to her. Now, there's great commentary on this, on how this is a depiction of Yahusha um, hanging from the tree. All right, that his his uh, his uh, thigh was wasted away and his belly swelled. It's a it's a picture of crucifixion. All right, that he received this bitter drink, even though he was innocent. Well, if we turn to the um, the book of Susanna. The book of Susanna is an addition to the book of Daniel. It's the story of young Daniel. And what verse did I want to read from here? I'm not going to put it in Bible Bot tonight. It's the same thing happened. Susanna is accused of, of having sexual relations with a man. And she didn't. She was innocent. She was pure. But these two priests, you know, they were, they were these evil, wicked priests. And they were falsely accusing her. And so we just see the same scene happen. And it says, so when the servants of the house heard the cry in the garden, they rushed in. Okay, whatever. Let's skip ahead. And it came to pass the next day when the people were assembled to her, uh, man, uh, the two elders came also full of, okay, no, let's skip ahead. All right. Um, okay, you know what? I, I don't have the right verse, but that's okay. The the song of Susanna tells the same thing. She's brought out. They they take the 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 mask, the cloth off her face, and everyone in the crowd starts weeping because they see how beautiful she is. And it turns out Daniel is is very, uh, you know, he takes these two priests aside. He interrogates them. He finds them to be guilty. All right. There's one other time that this happens, and you guys have probably never heard this before. So I wanted to read this to you. Now this comes from the Infancy Gospel of Yaakov. So Miriam, the mother of Yahusha, is accused of having relations with another man because she's found to be with child. And in chapter 12, this is what we read. I'll read the chapter. It shouldn't be that long. I just lost it. I had it. There it is. After these things, there arose a great report that Miriam was with child, and Yosef was seized by the officers of the temple and brought along with Miriam to the high priest. And he with the priests began to reproach him and to say, Why hast thou beguiled so great and so glorious a virgin, who has fed like a dove in the temple by the angels of Elohim, who never wished either to see or to have a man, who had the most excellent knowledge of the law of Elohim? If thou hadst not done violence to her, she would still have remained in her virginity. And Yosef vowed and swore that he had never touched her at all. And Abiathar, the high priest, answered him, As Yahuwah liveth, I will give thee to drink of the water of drinking of Yahuwah, and immediately thy sin will appear. So we see, and I won't read the whole chapter, but we see the same thing happening, that actually Yosef and Miriam are put to the test. They're forced to drink this bitter water, and they pass the test. They, uh, they're their thighs and belly and everything doesn't swell up and they walk out of there and people are amazed like, oh, she's pregnant with child and she wasn't defiled, right? And so going back to this, this is, this is what we see happening here in this chapter where the judgment is on the adulterous people of the earth who are, are not turning to Yahuwah, the Most High, and the set apart, they're going to pass the test. If they're truly, if Yahuwah is their Elohim, they're going to pass the test. So, going back to Rob. 
Uh, thanks, Noel. Um, yeah, I, I commented on that. I can't remember the last we we had brought that topic up before with the bitter waters. And one of the theories I thought what was happening was with the uh, you know the thought the mention of the thighs swelling up on the the guilty woman uh, was that perhaps and and I I, I can't recall if if I uh, uh, could confirm that or not, but uh, I thought that perhaps that if she did do this sin, it was a uh, reaction that was like childbirth where she would, it would swell up her, her thighs or her belly and, 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 um, uh, abort whatever that, you know, that child or whatever, whatever that was. I thought that was another possibility of explaining why this action was taking place. So if, if, um, if that's it, I wonder if there's any more implications to what that could mean. So that was one thought that I, that I had said in the past. Uh, I did want to touch up one more time on uh, what I was speaking about on the thirds. When we see these these four uh, shofars being blown, I also wanted to, to consider another option with that is that the if we have one third of the trees... And, and all the fields being wiped out, and we see one-third of sea basically being desolate, uh, and then we see all one-third of all the waters being bitter and men dying from it. Uh, I would say another another view of that is either one-third of the, the realm this is affecting, and hence one-third of the light of the day and night being being over it is basically stating the same as it's not shining because there's no life there. Uh, that's a possibility. Or or back to the thought that the days are being sped up, you know, eight hours of light, eight, eight hours of night, and the, that throwing everything off. And plus they're, uh, or, they're or they're just strictly uh, two-thirds bright. Uh, any, any of those options I like to think uh, could be possible. But that was my comment on what Noel was speaking about, and I further wanted to elaborate on the thirds. With that, I am I am done. Michael, it is over to you. <clears throat> All right, I'll finish my part off with Wormwood. Um, I'm going to read both. So number 11 says, uh, And the name of the star, highlight stars, called Wormwood, and the third part of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died of the waters because they were made bitter. And in the Hebrew, and the name of that star was Hola. Out and I'm sure Rowan Rodney will correct me. And a third of the waters was bitter, and many of the sons of men died by the hand of the waters because of their bitterness. So I was doing a word study on that Tola out, and I cannot pronounce it. Um, and there was an, actually a, a worm called that found in the Middle East and was used in ancient times to make a crimson or scarlet dye. <clears throat> the word for this worm is translated as scarlet during the construction of the tabernacle. And now I'm going to talk about the actual worm itself. So this worm, she att then attaches her body to that wood and makes a hard crimson shell. The crimson worm then lays her eggs under her body in the protective shell. When the baby worms or larvae hatch, they stay under the shell. Not only does the mother's body give protection for her babies, but it also provides them with food. The baby feeds on the living body of the mother. When the mother dies, there is a crimson stain left on the wood. So I thought that was interesting. Um, <clears throat> Uh, now I'm going to talk more about wormwood itself, and I found you know some passages in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy 29:18, and what I'm going to highlight is, could it be 
your heart turning away. So Deuteronomy 29.18, so that there will not be among you a man or woman or family or tribe whose heart turns away today from the Lord our God to go serve the other gods of those nations, that there will not be among you a root-bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. So hearts turning away from the Most High to serve other gods is like a root-bearing poisonous fruit and wormwood. So Jeremiah 9, 14 and 15. But have followed the stubbornness of their heart and the Baals as their fathers taught them. Therefore, this is what the Lord of armies, the God of Israel says. Behold, I will feed this people wormwood and I will give them poison water to drink. They had stubbornness of their hearts. They followed after other gods. They were given wormwood and bitterness. Lamentations 3.15, he has filled me with bitterness. He has made me drink plenty of wormwood. <clears throat> There's a connection here, guys. Uh, your hearts are turning away. You're following after other gods. You are given uh, this bitter this bitter water. Um, and then finally, <clears throat> for those who know me, I, you know, I love talking about wisdom. And what I'm trying to link, I'm going to link wormwood with, the, there's a tale of two wisdoms. And Proverbs 5, 1 through 4, my son, pay attention to my wisdom, the Most High's wisdom. Incline your ear to my understanding, so that you maintain discretion and your lips may comply with knowledge. All great, right? For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her, her steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of her life, her ways are unstable, and she does not know it. There's two tales of two wisdoms. There's the wisdom of the Most High, and then there's the wisdom of the adulteress, and the end is bitter as wormwood. And then we're going to go to James 3, 13. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. And But if you have bitter jealousy, selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. This wisdom is not which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder in every evil thing. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, loving, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, impartial, free of hypocrisy, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace and by those who make peace. There's two wisdoms, and the wisdom from above is sweet. The wisdom from this world is bitter as wormwood. Um, is it possible these, these are internal punishments? I don't know. Um, and finally, since I brought up the Maseroth a couple episodes ago, um, I couldn't find much connection, but I did run across something that the star of Wormwood is linked to Scorpio or Scorpius. And so if you guys want to research more of that, that's all I got, but I'll hand it off to Noel. <clears throat> No, you're on mute if you're talking. Can you guys hear me? Yeah, we can. Okay. How's the volume? Great. Great. All right. What I was trying to say is... I think we're making connections tonight, but um, I, that was really weird. With I don't know what happened because I'm all hooked up. I don't know why I went out. All right, so I don't know how many more 
I have more scripture, and I think we've kind of made the point on this, all three of us on Wormwood. And Michael, that was phenomenal stuff. Let me just see what we have here. Jeremiah 8.14. Now, before I go into this, uh, I really, I've changed my perspective on revolution, uh, Revelation radically over the last couple of years. And you know what did it? It was the big hoax, the pandemic that we see in the world around us. And we see a huge separation of sheep and goat right now, the wheat and the tares. And you have a large segment of this population who believes a lie, and they are living in fear. And in a way, you know, you can call it false doctrine, you can call it a play, you can call it whatever you want, but they are living in fear of the boogeyman, and they're living accordingly, and, and it, it's almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Meanwhile, those of us who are trying to live set-apart lives and being obedient to the Most High, like, we're looking around and we're like, this isn't affecting us. This is, it, this is how Revelation has changed for me. This is what I, I'm trying to get across. Like, we're not the ones that's going to Gehenna, guys. You know, we're not the ones, hopefully, that are drinking this bitter water that the world is drinking. So this comes from Jeremiah, or Yermiyahu, uh, chapter 8, verse 14. And it says, why are we... Sitting still, gather yourselves, and let us go into the walled cities, and let us be silent there. For Yahuwah, our Elohim, has let us perish, and given us poisoned water to drink, because we have sinned against Yahuwah. There's a lot in Yermiyahu on this, so let me try Jeremiah 9.15, one chapter over. What does it say? Therefore, thus saith Yahuwah, Devaoth. The Elohim of Yasharel. See, I am making this people eat wormwood, hmm. and I shall make them drink poisoned water. Here's another one from Jeremiah, Jeremiah 23, Yahoo 23:15, and it says, "Therefore, thus said Yahuwah Sevaoth concerning the prophet: See, I am making them eat wormwood, and shall make them drink poisoned water." For defilement has gone out into all the land from the prophets of Yerushalayim. And let's try one more, just to see what we can find, because you never really know. This is Jeremiah 25, verses 15 through 16. And it says, For thus said Yahuwah Elohim of Yasharel to me, Take this wine cup of wrath from my hand, and make all the nations to whom I send you, drink it. And they shall drink and shake and go mad because of the sword that I am sending upon them. That's really interesting that they're drinking and go mad. So, anyways, you see, I, I think we've made a case here. You're seeing a judgment on the Elohim. You're seeing a judgment on humanity that is is uh, idolatrous, adulterous towards Yahuwah. And we see this all throughout Scripture. And it is amazing how, you know, we spend all of our lives leading up to this. I'm 41 years old. I think Michael's about the same age. Uh, we'll just say Rob is is uh, 35. And we, we spend our entire lives, you know, studying the New Testament. I'll speak for myself, but I think they're probably in a similar boat uh, up to, you know, several years ago. And it's, it's a tip of the iceberg, guys. Like, when we're trying to understand what they're saying in Revelation and... Uh, 
James and Jude in the Gospels, if we don't line this up with Torah, like the, it fills in the details and we're like, what? The answers are right there. You know, we, we never cross-reference them all these years and it just, it all comes together beautifully. So I, that's all I have on, <laughs> uh, yeah, Rob is uh, 35 years old. He is, he's younger than uh, Michael and I, we're, we're his senior. And that's all I have tonight. Now, I'd like to roundtable it. If there's anybody who has any observations that they would add, now is a good time. Thank you for hanging in there, everybody. You know I do. Go for it. Okay. So, um, it was um, the way they, they translated the word to wormwood was a little bit misleading, and it worked really well for all of the um a quote that the three of you used um but the word in hebrew is actually not wormwood so so let me take a step back so wormwood is a plant and in hebrew it's called laana and actually the scientific name for it is artemisia and you might um know it as abs like when they uh prepare a drink called absinthe you know, that's from, um, it's from Wormwood. I am, um, in my practice, I actually know of Wormwood because it's an amazing, even though it's bitter, it's actually, it's an amazing medicinal herb to use for leaky gut, for all kinds of issues with the, your um, gut, with your GI tract. So, um, so it was a little bit misleading for them to translate the word to laat, uh, to wormwood. So to laat was the word that was used in Hebrew, and it means warm. That's it, just warm, not wormwood. Um, so wormwood is lana, and it's used in the Bible many times, as all of you uh, found all of those verses. Um, to denote uh, bitterness and, you know, I'm not going to repeat all the verses that you just used. Um, so I, in, the, in the Bible, sure. No, no, to finish your thought. I, I want, before, okay. you move, before you moved on to the next observation, no, I wanted... I, sure, I don't have, a, I, I, I'm still on the tolat, so I just wanted to go back to the tolat, the, the worm. So in the Bible, there are only um, two occasions where we use tolat. The first one is tolat ashani, as Michael mentioned, uh, and um, they used it literally to get the, the scarlet color um, uh, when they prepared the, the tabernacle. And the second oh. tolat, the second tolat is tolat Hashamir, the, the worm of Hashamir. And that, that's what King Solomon used to cut the stones. Now, when he got instructions to build the temple, he was told that he cannot use any metal instrumentation to cut um, and chisel stones. So now I'm going to... Uh, quote the Talmud, which all of you know that I don't like. I don't like quoting the Talmud, but every now and then they have like a pearl of wisdom and I, I cannot avoid it. So the Talmud um, 
tells a story about the Tolat Shamir. And basically, when you read the, the description, the, the Talmud, how the Talmud describes it, the only thing that comes to your mind is laser. Basically, it's like laser. Uh, and that's what they were using. And the, the Talmud uh, and the Midrash are saying that Solomon, that was uh, basically the biggest uh, uh, scene of Solomon, that he basically contacted the, the dark side to, to get hold of this Tolat Shamir, that laser. And yeah, the let's, Talmud, let's the, talk about that when you're done. Go ahead. Yeah, and then the, the, the last thing that, that, that when the Talmud described it, it said that it literally, you pointed it at anything. You can point it at stones, at uh, metal, anything that you pointed, it would cut through very cleanly without leaving any, any uh, crumbs behind, nothing, very clean cut. And they said, the last thing they said about it, which blew my mind, was that the, the only way to contain it was to put it, uh, to put, uh, it inside lead boxes. And if you know anything about laser, the only thing that can contain laser is lead. And they wrote it like, what, 2,000 years ago. So that's amazing. So apparently they knew what they were talking about, but they didn't, you know, they didn't know how to call it. So they called it a worm, you know, the worm of Shamir. So, so for me, when I looked at the Hebrew and I saw Tolat, the name of the star is Tolat, I immediately thought about, about you know, the... They say about Tesla, whether I don't even know if Tesla existed or not anymore. But assuming that he existed, they said that he invented um, the, the, the death ray, and it's basically like a laser. And um, conspiracy theorists are saying that actually the U.S. Um, government or whatever, the, the, the military complex has the technology of the death ray. And um, they use it every now and then when they are experimenting with it. So for me, I'm wondering if it's like a death ray or something like this. That's it. That's what I wanted to say about it. So you said a ton there that was like uh, overload on the download. Yeah. And I think Rob wants to talk about Solomon a little bit. I just wanted to quickly um, say, I want to say at the beginning that because I'm not sure, if, I think you're just reading directly from the Hebrew. So in this document, they actually don't say Wormwood. We no. were, it, we were yeah. inserting that. Yeah. They, actually, they actually leave it uh, Tola at, like they don't translate it to, I, I think that they didn't know what to do with it. And so they just left the Hebrew word there. So, oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. So what I, when I did, what I did is when I read it live, uh, and I said, and the name of the star was Tola at, and then I think I added Wormwood there, just so the viewer knew what we were talking about. And uh, but they did not say the Wormwood in it. So. Oh, okay. Anyways, Rob, go yeah. ahead. You wanted to say something? Yeah, there was a couple things there that uh, I wanted to clarify. Uh, Roni, you're you're saying that uh, Tola Tolaat is the word worm, but. How did you tie that in with this laser, or is the, the this another translation for that word? 
So, because that's that's the name that they used for what um, Solomon used to um, when not he personally, but his workers yeah. uh, use this whatever it is. They called it Tolat Hashemir to cut and chisel the stones, and we know oh. that it's not a. Um, it's not metal it because he was not allowed to use right. metal okay? okay so the talmud explained what it is uh, yes. and yes. the midrash explains what it is and the way they explain it when you read it all you can see is laser basically so i'm thinking maybe that's why they call it tolad because tolad is like a long very narrow long thing and yeah. the laser is also long and narrow, you know. So I think they, they, they didn't know how to name it, so they called it Tolat Shamir. Yeah, that, that's what I was trying to uh, tie in together, make sure I heard you right. Because, well, two things. One is, uh, if that is the description and meaning of that, then that obviously is old tech explaining how they, <clears throat> how they can... Uh, Form or cut such fine precision, precision, precision. <laughs> My goodness, precision <laughs> uh, stones and rocks and buildings and etc. Uh, back in the day, where yeah. you know, obviously now with the chisels and all that stuff, it, it just seems ridiculous. But that's one explanation. And then the second part is: what more are we missing here? If that were to be true, in the aspect of this star falling from heaven. Would this star falling from heaven be like a, um, uh, if you want to call it, a device with lasers shooting out all from around it as it's falling down, just causing massive destruction? You know, I don't know. And, and it just makes you think about more about these meanings of these words and what they could possibly be. Yeah, and so sometimes they are using it as a description, right? So maybe they are, they are describing a star that has like a tail, you know, so it looks longer. Right. Um, for me, if I'm using the original word to lot from the Bible, then I, I think like it could also be a laser. <laughs> Uh, coming down from, you know, like a, a death, uh, with whatever, like what Tesla invented, you know, um, so the death ray. Um, yeah, and Austin Powers. So are they making fun of us that there is some type of death ray aiming down at here one day to be shot down as Wormwood? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the Death Star, yeah, exactly. You know, these, these yeah. examples of these these death rays are actually describing this future event yeah so i i my question to the three of you is if um if we hold that millennial uh, kingdom already uh, took place then is this chapter the, describing something that already happened okay so that that's a very good question that I do not have the answer to. So, you know, one of the things when, and I'll be, I think, talking about this more and more in the future, because what's going to start happening as this thing really starts taking off, 
and more and more people are going to come here with questions and they're going to ask me, uh, but what about this? And what about that? And, and there was a, there was a really good line in, and I'm going to botch it. There was a really good line in the, the fourth matrix movie where the villain in that film is talking to Keanu Reeves and saying how he's talking about the elite, the, 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 you know, the, the scumbags that are ruling this earth and saying that they're really not concerned about people waking up to the truth. Be- the reason being is that people ask questions, but they don't seek the answers. They don't have time. They, they're just too busy binge watching. Right. And, and so what happens is, is that um, people ask questions and they demand answers, but they don't want to seek them out themselves. And in my position, um, I have a lot of questions, but nobody's going to answer them for me. There's nobody else that I know of. If I go ask anyone on the internet, they're not going to answer it. So I have to seek this stuff out for myself. Um, and I ask that of other people too. Like one of the things I've tried really hard at the Unexpected Cosmology is to try to help instruct people in my articles on, look, this is how you can do this yourself. You can seek this out and find who the spooks are and, and all this kind of stuff and how everything is con- you know, manufactured and it's all fake and so on and so forth. So that being said, I do believe that this is uh, what we are reading in Revelation is fulfilled. Um, that it has happened. Um, you you know my position on sixty six to seventy A D, and we went over that with like Revelation six, the the first six trumpets. That I am secure knowing that uh, the first six trumpets were fulfilled by seventy A D. Now the question is, the seventh trumpet, where we then see the um, uh, I'm sorry, this I I'm misquoting. This the six seals and the seventh seal. The seventh seal opens up the seven trumpets. So we're in the trumpets now, right? So they're like they're within the the seventh seal. So my question is, did this happen by seventy eighty? I don't know. Um, I am I am not an in the box thinker, and this drives some people crazy because they're like, just get in the box, Noel. Just get with the program. You know, everybody else is on. You know, the Millennial Kingdom came in in seventy eighty, and I refuse to to say that because my research has led me to other conclusions. There was probably a good 500 years after the destruction of the temple, before the physical kingdom was ushered in, even though the, the spiritual kingdom was there in heaven all along, uh, and it still is. Um, and you know, and Michael also brought up some great points tonight. Maybe I shouldn't call it the kingdom. Maybe I should just call it the millennial reign. I don't know. I, I need to really investigate that. I have so many questions. But my current theory, and it's based on a hunch, I can't prove this, is that the 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 bulk of revelation there's a time jump and that the rest of revelation which includes the destruction of babylon um happens about 500 years later which would still be fulfilled to our time now some people argue back but but no babylon is is jerusalem fine then it was fulfilled in 7080 but you see what i'm saying so i i that, that's the long answer to that what i can tell you is i don't know but I'm still seeking this out, and I believe that everything up to Revelation 20 by our time has been fulfilled. That, that, so, that's all I can answer. So this week I came across a series of um, uh, short documentaries called Scorched Earth. And I was really kind of like interested in it because it shows some of this prophecy. Basically... It goes around all over Earth, and there is a layer um, of, of, you know, like cities burned, like, like all that is left is 
sometimes just burned, melted, you know, the rocks and the, but the soil itself is scorched, like it's black. Right. Um, yeah, I, 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 need, I need to upload some of those videos, but um, I think that, you know, that definitely shows that there, there was a, 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 um, something that happened all over Earth. That's Absolutely. Earth. Yeah. Absolutely. So I'm going to be, you know, one of my uh, hopes, because I have a stack of things I need to get to, one of them is to make a kind of concise history of the world timeline as I see it in scripture. And if you remember my, my 7,000 year timeline deception uh, paper slash video that I did a couple of months ago, I think you guys were reading about it on Thursday night while I was gone, uh, or somebody was, whoever was here. Um, I talk about how there was a transition It's second Kifa and I, I love second Kifa and I, I I'm sticking with this book, even though despite the problems people claim with it, What's interesting about Sekifa is he tells us that there's a transition from, and this is testimony to how true this book is, by the way, uh, to what I'm seeing. There's a transition from water judgment to fire judgment, and that Yahuwah has destroyed the earth many times by water. I believe Genesis 1 was a reset, uh, where you know he's, he flips on the light switch on day one, and water everywhere, just everywhere is water. And then you know the, the earth comes up out of the water. So we see that, and then the Noah's flood, water destruction again, and then Sodom and Gomorrah is the transition where he's like, okay, I'm going to start destroying the world with fire now. Sodom and Gomorrah was a sign of the judgment to come, and Peter says, next time it's happening, it's with fire. And all of a sudden, we look all over the earth, and there was a fire judgment. There are melted buildings, melted cities. Some people speculate that the Grand Canyon is a melted city. We've seen entire mountain ranges where this looks like those could have been buildings. It's like, it's, 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 it's phenomenal what people are pulling up. And I think that's, I, I literally think that within one hour, Babylon, I'm talking about the, the mystery, ba when I read mystery Babylon, I don't think Jerusalem, maybe I'm wrong. I think of the mystery religions, mystery Babylon. The Babylonian mysteries, the Eleusinian mysteries, the mysteries of Isis, you know, the uh, the the Druidic mysteries. Name your mystery, um, and they would like people were living their lives, and the attack was so sudden. It like this, this the the fire comes up, the, this fervent heat from below, and we see that in these like castles where you can see the heat's coming up from below, and the bottom half is melted, and the top is kind of like you know, kind of shaky, but it's still there. And like, I think it just wiped them out. Like people had no chance. Like they knew, they they had no chance at all. Anyways, so uh, Ron, it looks like you want to Ron, it looks like you want to say something else. No, no, that's that's it. And I I just saw that uh, I just saw a documentary about the Grand Canyon. It it's yeah. I can. Yeah, I, we just once once we see it, we cannot unsee it. Right now, right. and and this is my question to everybody who is denying that the Millennial Kingdom happened. Then how? What in the world is going on with all these melted cities? Because we see it, it tells us in the Bible that there's a transition that Sodom and Gomorrah was the first of what is to come. But where in biblical history did all these cities and buildings built? We're not told. We know that it's going to happen at the coming of the kingdom. So, I, I, 
I, for me, like where I'm sitting, I know people are trying to disprove this so hard because they don't want it to have to be. They so don't want it to be. But I am convinced in my mind that it is more of a reality than anything else. I don't see any other option at this point because everything I'm seeing, there's so much evidence for like it was a huge reset and it was a fire. Like it, it came and it went and um and that was even before the mud flood. I mean, I think, you know, I'm actually of the opinion, and Dave, he was kind of instrumental in that, but I'm of the opinion now that the mud flood was not of Yahuwah's doing, per se, that it was actually, Satan was released at some point, and um, I don't know if it was necessarily coinciding with his release. It was almost like he was mimicking Noah's flood in a way, uh, that he was, you know, it's almost like you see in Revelation 12 where he tries to drown the, the saints, uh, the set apart with the flood, and the earth intervenes and swallows it up. Like it's describing a mud flood. I'm not saying that that is the mud flood, but it's describing a mud flood. And um, so Yahuwah has already moved on to the fire. So Go ahead. Sorry, like talking about mud flood, I can tell you I've been combing, combing the Bible looking for anything i cannot find anything that that can even insinuate about a mud flood so i'm totally with you on this one that it's probably uh connected to Saturn being released well yeah well, well yes what, I, what i'm saying is that it's um it, I believe that it is Satan's doing now because I yes. see Yahuwah has changed his judgment to fire. He's not going back to water. The water's done. So if Satan can turn himself into a river like we see in Jasher, where he tries to drown um, Abraham and Yitchak on their way to the sacrifice, that, and of course, he can turn himself to an old man and all sorts of stuff, that, that the mud flood could totally be his doing. And there was a... Uh, intercession by the earth and swallowed it up and so on and so forth. So does anyone have, else have, and that was all great, uh, Rana. Thank you. I don't know if you have anything else. I always appreciate when you have your insight. Does anyone else have any I'll thoughts comment. on it? Go ahead. I was going to let you finish. I just want to let you know, I wanted to comment is, is regarding the revelation, if it's happened or it's future. Uh, that's one of the things that we we try to do. If we don't know, if we don't know the 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 answer, um, and and it's not crystal clear, then we have to put ourselves in a position to uh, be open minded about it and hold these possibilities. So I, I appreciate Noel uh, being honest with that, because uh, when I look at these things, that's I, I try to put forth different examples of. Uh, views and lenses so that's why i'll put what these could be and then we can either think of this happening in the future or we can think that this is has already happened and if it's already happened how do we look at what it's saying with what it are there any evidences of these on our in our realm and you know just like the dialogue was talking about melted cities and all this um, type of uh, destructions that we're seeing so that's that's the kind of things that you you as a, a individual have to examine and look at and see where it leads you. So that that's just my input on it. No, no. Do you want to answer what uh, Trevor put as far as Chernobyl being uh, wormwood? No, we we've talked about that before. But do you want to say anything on that? Uh, I I 
don't have anything to say on that per se. I've seen that around a lot being pushed by the prophetic community. And my only take on that is that I, again, I, I think revelation has been fulfilled. And what, what I can also say though, is that prophetically, if you're going to talk about the sun being turned black, the moon being turned blood red, uh, locust and, you know, all sorts of things that you see repeated cyclical things and that we could look and see that Yahuwah is going to judge the world in very similar ways. But also we see that the enemy, and this is, this is a, no commentary specifically on Chernobyl, but we see that the enemy is mimicking in uh, time stuff. One of the things I will be talking about this Thursday is a very difficult topic to talk about because I will be talking about it's an A word, uh, Ashkenazi. I will be talking about 1948 Israel and my research on it and how I believe that that is a deception. Not the land itself, that's a whole other side topic, but the formation of Israel as a fulfillment of prophecy uh, of the of the Yahuwah gathering Israel and Judah together. That's that's something that the enemy has mocked, uh, or uh, uh, kind of you, they've used the Bible as a blueprint to make something that is not legitimate. And so I think that there's a lot of things happening in the world around us that are, um, you know, intel-based, um, you know, set up to to look like something that it's not. That's all I, I can say. So hopefully, I, I gave two options there. One is that we see repeated events that comes from Yah. Another is that the enemy is setting up uh, situations and scenarios to make it look like Revelation is being fulfilled. So that's my only thought on that. Yeah, like like the the barcodes with six 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 and the vaccine mandate patents with six six six. Well, well, I will say I will say on six 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 though is that that's legit. Like what I mean is that that's the number. Like there, the, sure. the, yeah. The the reality is is that six 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 goes all the way back to Babylon. Like it goes all the way back to the the priests would have these these amulets very simple similar to like the Levite priest and they would they would have these numbers on it that they would add up you would try to add it up to six 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 I mean this goes all the way back to Babylon this is the number of the of of the beast and so when we see like on uh, um, on a uh, uh, scan codes and you know, whatever. It's just, it's everywhere. You know, the WWW, we see it everywhere. It's just, a, it's a reminder. It's not fake. It's, it's real. It's the beast system. And, and so it's just a constant reminder when you see the paths into number 666, like I don't go like that's fake. I'm like, that's legit. Like that's, they're telling you that's the system right there. And so I, I'm just warning. I, I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to give permission for people to go, Oh, it already happened 2000 years ago. So it's okay. It's like, no, like, Keep away from, keep away from the mark. Right. I was just kind of equating it to people who do say it's the mark. I agree. It's the number for sure. Um, Desmond, do, you've been adding a bunch of excellent stuff. Do you want to speak on anything you've you've commented on? If not, it's, it's cool. Exceeding abundantly. Uh, sure. I was just kind of like throwing in there ideas that I was thinking of while you guys were talking. Um. I think one of them was about the uh, about the worm, and I thought it was interesting that Ron had pointed out that it it was simply the word worm, not necessarily like you know an added portion meaning wormwood, but just worm. And it reminded me of the verses 
um, about Yeshua that you would find in, let me go back up so I find it. Uh, there's one in Job, and it said, uh, How can he who is born of a woman be pure? Behold, even the moon is not bright, and the stars are not pure in his eyes. How much less man who is a maggot, and the son of man who is a worm. And then Psalm 22, 6. But I am a worm, and not a man, scorned by mankind, despised by the people. And I just, when she said it was just the word worm, I just, that was the first thing that popped to my mind. I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that. Um, but then uh, Michael brought up the idea of scarlet worm or scarlet red. And um, that just reminded me of the crimson worm, which is an actual worm that crawls up on uh, woody stalks of uh, trees and stuff and lays its eggs. And it dies, excreting this red goo. And then they turn snow white when they hatch and are born. And it just reminds you of uh, the suffering of Christ on the cross and his blood covered us, which cleanses us of our sins. Um, and then another thing was about the water that you guys were talking about. And in Ezekiel 47, um, it talks about, uh, then he brought me back to the door of the temple and there was water flowing from under the threshold of the temple toward the east. And when it reached the sea, its waters are healed. And I was wondering, does that mean like the salty water? Because it says seas. And I don't know exactly what they're talking about when they say sea, because I think just big bodies of water can be seas. Um, but uh, does that mean like the salty water turns fresh? Or just the idea that um, fish can live in it again? Um, but then I thought when I was thinking about that, it reminded me of 2 Kings 2, 21. It says, then he went to the spring of water and threw salt in it. And said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. Now on neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. So the water has been healed to this day, according to the word that Elijah spoke. That's just some ideas I was thinking of while you guys were talking. If you guys have any thoughts on this, I'd love to hear them. I don't have any ideas on that, Robert Michael. Do you guys have any ideas? Oh, what first comes to my mind is regarding the salt and salt water. We know salt is a uh, preserver so that uh it it may very well be something that is preserving the life uh that lives and exists in it uh in in multifactions we do know that in fresh water uh it you know many animals can can uh, survive in also but in fresh water for the most part there has to be some kind of circulation uh going forth uh for it um, and I'm not 100% sure on this salt water if fitting salt water has to ha has to be moving to uh, obtain uh, any specific uh, lives of sea animals and so forth. But uh, uh, that's the only thing that comes to my mind is the salt is a, is in preservation. And I think it's interesting that you talk about the waters coming out from the temple going forth and preserving. Uh, uh, did you say preserving or healing the waters, was it? So I think that's interesting, but I have nothing more to add to that in in the studies I've been on with regarding water and and salt water. Does anybody else have anything that like to add? It's getting late in the night. Uh, I would like to give our the the individual recording this the mercy kill shot and uh, let him 
go night night because uh, I'm so grateful for all the recording Josh does, but uh, he can only really take so much of this himself. So, does anyone have any last thoughts? Uh, I could respond to something. Uh, this is actually Trevor. I'm on Andrew's microphone right now. Crazy chicken boy. I was um, about to say because I saw a crazy chicken lighting up. I'm like, that is not crazy chicken's voice. But uh, I had a question for you. I couldn't respond to your question. Uh, I'd have to say I don't know about the uh, melted cities and mud floods and Great Reset. I can't really respond, but... What I could do is ask you a question in regards to scripture. Uh, I think you did mention it about the last trump that you said maybe that hadn't been fulfilled. And I think that that would be a big problem, scripturally speaking, if we were to say that the last trump has been fulfilled because... Number one, you have it mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians 15, and he says, at the last trump, there's a resurrection, number one, and then he says, death and hell are swallowed up, and that's saying, he's quoting from Hosea the prophet, and he says that death and hell will be swallowed up at the last trump, and we'll see this resurrection. Well, that resurrection couldn't have happened yet, uh, because we see at the end of Revelation 20, we see death and hell being finally dealt with and swallowed up. So the, the last trump could not possibly have occurred, and I just wanted to ask what... What is your response to that? I mean, what? So, yeah, I'm not quite sure how to answer that. Um, so, because we're dealing with, uh, I believe, First Corinthians, Paul. I did talk a little bit about uh, Paul's reference to the fact that in my in my study on the called the glorious appearing of Yahusha Hamashiach which talks about six, the year 66 to 70 AD, primarily 66 AD. And I talked about how Shaul or Paul prophesied that he himself would be included in the gathering up. And that he specifically prophesied that he would be a part of it, not other people. Um, he said, the dead will rise first and then we who are left. And that, that's a whole other topic to show that all the Yaakov or James, uh, Peter, they all believe that they themselves would be a part of this. So I believe that the resurrection did happen in 66 AD. Um, now, in terms of the lake of fire, is it, it's, it's still there. We see that in Revelation 20, after the thousand years, the um, Satan is then released. And then he's, so the, okay, back up. The false prophet and the beast are thrown in the lake of fire before the thousand years. Lake of Fire is still going. Satan's in prison. He's released. At the end of the thousand years, then he's thrown into it. And other texts will then say that, like Enoch will talk about in the 10th week, uh, at the very end, the watchers will then be thrown into the Lake of Fire. I, I assume at the same time that Satan is. So I do not believe that, uh, I believe that Gehenna is still there. The, the Gehenna, the fires, the Lake of Fire, it's still there. Death itself is still 
is not swallowed up yet. So if you want to call the last trumpet uh, that event, that's fine with me. Um, I, I'm not a big Paul person myself. I around here, I, I'm not. It, it's it's one of those things. I I I am forced to comment on Paul. Sometimes I try not to. Um, I, I'm not crazy about the guy. I don't I don't actually use his writings around here. Uh, Rob can maybe talk more about him. Other people like Paul. Um, but all that to say is, I believe that the uh, the resurrection of the um, there's different ways we talk about resurrection. We talk about a physical resurrection from bones, and then we talk about uh, uh, I've shown that it's used interchangeably to also talk about people who are are taken out of Sheol, and I believe that um, there's multiple events. So one is that Yahusha, when he was crucified, according to the Gospel of Nicodemus, Bartholomew, and I would throw in Second Ezra in there that that he cleansed out Sheol from the righteous, and there was prophesied that the righteous would never return to Sheol again. It's done. No more No more of the righteous in, in the set-apart in Sheol. They're taken to paradise. This is why we see the, the dead in Revelation under the throne. It's like a reset, because they're not going to Sheol. They're under the throne now. And then they're resurrected. And they were resurrected at the time of about 66 AD. Um, and so there's probably another reset now. The dead are somewhere i don't know where i don't know if they go to paradise i don't know if they're under another throne i have no clue but um there's a lot of questions i have uh that i don't have answers to but that's that's one of the good things to you know you could always seek out for yourself too i'm I'm not like the bible answer guy i'm just i'm just trying to figure this out as we go along one thing i am fully convinced of is that yahushua fulfilled his promises to the people he said he would fulfill to he said he was coming back for his disciples he didn't say he was coming back for a later generation. He said he's coming to get take them to where he is in New Jerusalem, to his kingdom in heaven. He came back for them. He got them. That whole generation was anxious. It was a 40-year generation where they couldn't, you know, that was their blessed hope, that they could live to the end of that generation to see him come. Um, and then, you know, we're waiting on now um, another intercession. Uh, specifically with New Jerusalem, which I'll be talking more about in the in the weeks to come. Hopefully, about what that will look like. So, hopefully, I wasn't all over the place. It, it was it was hard to. I almost had to answer that in two ways. Um, I, okay. I tried to, I tried to answer that the best I could. So sorry if I I didn't answer it better. Am I still on? Yeah, I heard you. I I pretty much made sense of all that. Um, and additionally, collaborating with that is Revelation ten seven because. It, and someone said, "Don't apologize." Not sure what that means, but it was a it was a, it was a quip. It was a quip at Paul. Don't apologize for being anti-Paul, but that's okay. what they meant. Um, Paul says the mystery, right? I behold, I show you a mystery at the last trump. This resurrection, death, and Sheol are swallowed up. Collaborating with that is Revelation ten seven itself in the book of Revelation. It says the mystery of God or the mystery of Yah is complete at the seventh angel sounding the seventh trumpet, which is the last trumpet of Revelation. So that shows us that that mystery, you know, we're not going to be having any more of this mystery that we're experiencing right now that we, in question, we don't know what's going on. So the last okay. Trump couldn't 
that collaborates oh. with what Paul said. Okay, so let's just let's yeah. try to work let's try to work on this timeline. Okay. So Paul says the last trump there's no more death. Is that is that what you're saying? Yeah. Okay. All right. So at what point then is the last trump according to your timeline? Let's say the millennial kingdom hasn't happened yet. All right. It hasn't happened. All right. So we're still waiting on this last trump. Does the last trump that happened before the millennial kingdom? Or after, because afterwards, there is actually still death throughout the millennial kingdom. And afterwards, there is again still death. So, at what point does this last trump happen where the dead rise? The last trump happened, that's the end of everything. That's Messiah's second coming, because that that fits right in with the other second coming of Messiah passages. So, okay, so does so the second coming of Messiah happen before the millennial reign or after the millennial reign? After the figurative 1,000-year reference, which is essentially a Hebrew idiom that's a figurative reference it's not a literal 1000 but yes after the revelation 20 1000 years after gog and magog he returns death and hell are swallowed up okay well what we are what we're in, um looking at here is that there was a physical not a figurative or a spiritual uh, there is a spiritual kingdom in heaven, undoubtedly. I mean, it was here from the beginning before creation. There's always been a kingdom of heaven uh, where Yahushua reigned from. Um, however, we are what we're talking about here is that there is a physical on earth kingdom that Yahushua physically reigned on this earth um, beforehand. And, and it's no longer here that we can see. That's what that's the that's the context of what we're talking about. That he physically came, he destroyed Babylon, he ruled with the the the, the one hundred forty four thousand, and he uh, they had houses, palaces all over the earth, which we can still see today. All the cathedrals and big palaces on every continent, all over the earth, and that this mud flood event happens that uh, on every single continent on this earth that there's about fifteen feet. Uh, 10 to 15 feet that is buried in all these cities that they just built over with and that we're all of history is alive that they're actually covering this up that it actually happened that's what we're investigating i just to give you context and what we're looking at i i believe that yeah. there was a a physical not a spiritual or figurative but the physical reign of messiah on this earth okay. um and that we i believe that where we're at what i'm investigating when i say believe what i am investigating is are we living in Revelation 20 after Satan is released and he it says he goes about to deceive the whole world, the four corners or quarters of the earth, and that the camp of Yah is in the center and he surrounds it, and that's the next move. He's surrounding the camp to destroy the camp. And that we're all in this age of deception. We're being lied to about everything in our, in our history. And Satan is running the world right now with the Watchers. The Watchers have also been released from Enoch. Um, so that's what we're advocating. That's what the mud flood is. Um, the mud flood is a, it's a, it's a huge major reset. Uh, that that it's, You won't find it in any of our history books, but it happened about 200 years ago. Some people say 1750, other people 1800, other people 1850. We really don't know. 
but it happened about 200 years ago and on every continent in um you, you can find it in your local city. You can go around, you could see doors and windows buried underground. It's pretty freaky when you actually just have wide, eyes wide open and you see it for yourself. And you're like, oh my goodness, why did I never see this before? You know, truth in plain sight. It's um, pretty much the next question I was going to ask you about your timeline. And I do believe that we're in that little season. I just don't believe it the same way as you okay. do. But uh, I was wondering like the timeline i guess you said the 1800s you think the great reset took place possibly? well the, 18, the 1800s was undoubtedly a huge reprogramming event and we've been looking a lot about that and the people who've been looking at the mud flood have devoted a lot of time to researching what went down in the 1800s the american civil war the napoleonic wars uh, it just goes on from there. Uh, the rise of the Smithsonian, the rise of all these deceptions everywhere, the burning down of cities, destruction, all sorts of stuff, uh, the rise of asylums, the rise of the public school system, rise of orphan orphanages everywhere, the orphan trains. It just goes on and on and on. It's incredible. The, the amount of the, the world fairs that went up everywhere, the, the amount of research that's been put into this is phenomenal and showing how people were literally lied to and reprogrammed. So a good a good analogy of this um, is if you look at the um, the Soviet Union um, that came into um, play in the the years right around World War One, when the people who went through the the Bolshevik Revolution, uh, they they grew up and a lot of them lived old enough to see the Berlin Wall fall come down and when. Uh, I hate to use this word, but when psychologists started going in and analyzing these old people who were still alive or children during the Bolshevik Revolution, they found that they had what they called false memory syndrome, which means they had two memories. They had a memory of what really went down, but they didn't believe that to be true because they had been indoctrinated, reprogrammed, with, but they had a second memory of what their government told them them happened. And what it shows is that it takes one generation for a government to completely lie and scrub and erase history and convince them of something else. And they do it all the time. But there was a huge reprogramming event in the 1800s where they completely lied about this worldwide empire of peace that, you know, all over the world, these huge, big, beautiful dome buildings with Corinthian pillars that nobody can replicate to this day. They can't replicate them. And they tell us they did this with like chisels and all that kind of stuff on horseback and wagon. It's like, no way. No freaking way. And they lied to us about all this and they said they invented it. They built all these. Like you look at like all the, the Capitol buildings in every state, like Sacramento and California, Colorado, Texas. You go all over and look at these huge, beautiful buildings. There's no way cowboys and horseback built those. But that's what they tell us. And so this is kind of where it leads. is like, well, who lived in those buildings? Who inhabited them, right? Uh, what what did the society look like? And you go from there and you start looking the Bible for answers and you're like, oh my goodness, it was in the Bible this whole time. And it takes a lot of people a long time to process it. I don't expect you to tonight. It took me two years to get to where I'm at of processing this. Starting November of 2019, I was introduced to this and I started feverishly looking into it. It takes people a long time. Um, I can't expect you know overnight for people to go, oh, that's right. You're right. And I um, apologize, I haven't been here for a lot of the discussion you guys have had about it that I could have already heard, but I guess I would submit maybe one question real quick, you know, let's go to one event, because I already know enough to know that 
what you're talking about. I just know enough to know that I don't know enough to know, you know? <laughs> so, but let's talk I'm, about our... I'm in the same place. Our 1611 King James Bible. So you're saying that that dates back into the millennial reign. Uh, wouldn't it be? And then you have all these Protestants protesting the Church of Rome trying to come out and they're saying the beast, the Antichrist is the Pope. And yeah. I mean, all of that, I mean, how, if they're coming against the Church of Rome to be the Antichrist, the Pope, where, how does, I just don't understand how we can. So what, what you're, what you're yeah. dealing with right now is what I still deal with to this day. And I'm not sure. I'm not sure if you're a flat earthist, but back in 2015, when the flat earth movement was really taking off, one of the one of the things that so what the young earth creationist movement did back when it took off in 1970, it's not that uh, not that old, is that it it did away with the natural revelation of geology. Well, what the the young earth creationists decided to do is like, well, we're gonna we're gonna remove all these natural relations, but we're gonna keep to the natural revelation of astronomy. This was during the Apollo missions, and it was all set up, of course, by the government to give you the illusion of choice. Well, when the flat earth movement came along, they said, well, you know what? We're gonna get rid of the natural revelation of astronomy, right? That was the next big natural revelation to go. Well, with the mud flood, the next big natural revelation to go is history. The fact of the matter is, is that history dictates way more of our biblical theology than it should. Because we say, well, Yahushua couldn't have fulfilled the promises. He said he would to that generation because we're still here, right? And we... We, we throw in all this, you know, so, so we have these questions. And the thing is, okay, let me give you a quick example. I live in the city of Charleston, South Carolina. I gave this presentation a few weeks ago. Charleston, South Carolina was fundamental in two American revolutions. The first was 1776. The second was uh, 1861 to 1865, the American Civil War. And they give us all this history of the city of Charleston. Well, I, some of the people in this room, I took them on a tour to downtown Charleston, and I showed them that my city is buried and 15 feet below the street level, buried. You can see the doors and the windows down there. They just built doors on the second floors and just called it the street level. Where in my history books does it say that there was a mud flood that came and wiped out Charleston on the first level floor? And including every other major city in America and Europe and the world, I could show you everywhere. It doesn't. So that is an issue because now we, we're like, well, if the history books are lying to us about a major event, what else are they lying to us about? And this is where it gets really hard, because we look at history and go, well, I, what if it's all a lie? That's, that's I mean, kind of where I, so it, this, it gets really complicated, because I think that a lot of our history is factual in one way or another, but not in the way we look at it. Um, I don't believe that there are 2,000 years, I don't think Yahushua said, uh, I'm coming back for you, my disciples. And then 2,000 years later, he's he hasn't fulfilled that yet. I believe it happened and that there were these events, but there was a lot of historical events. Like, okay, like the, the Reformation. Maybe it did happen, but maybe it happened in um, the 600s rather than 1600s. I mean, that's a whole other conversation right there because we're, we're looking at the fact that there's a 1,000 years of missing time. 
There, there's there's so many components to this. It's it, this is like a Pandora's box. This mud flood that opens up so many avenues of research that is blowing people's minds about how the extent of how much they lied to us in order to keep us sedated and asleep and binge watching net Netflix, you know, and just listening to our Freemason pastors and like this this paradigm we live in, it is it is it is literally a matrix. Um, in the best way I could say, literally, like they set up this entire system around us to keep us asleep, sedated on blue pills and not realize the reality of what really went down, which I would say is his story. His story has been scrubbed for an alternate history. So that I, I could go on talking all night about this. And a lot of the people in this room know what I'm talking about. But on that, um, I invite you to come back in future weeks. Uh, we could have this discussion. I could try to take you through this. Um, this is something that you can't process in one night. It, it, it takes months and months and months of processing. It really does. Um, it's, it, it, there's so much depth to this and so many questions and answers and questions I have and answers that I don't have. So with that, let's go ahead and officially close. Um, and uh, you're off the hook, Josh. Thank you for hanging in there as long as you have, if you're still recording. It's a uh, classes uh, out of session. So again, thank you everybody. Open discussion, have fun, and shalom everybody.